G'day folks, welcome back to the Ubuntu Security Podcast. I'm Alex Murray. So this week, we're back after a few weeks break. I was presenting at Everything Open last week, and I'm going to go into a bit more detail on that a bit later in this episode. Plus, uh, we're going to cover the recent release of Ubuntu 2004.6, the latest point release for uh, the 2004 release, and go into some details, I guess, why that was needed, because it wasn't actually part of the original release schedule for that release. And then we will also do the usual roundup of security fixes that have gone into the supported Ubuntu releases over the past week. So let's just dive into that first. We've got 82 unique CVEs that were addressed by the team, and up first, actually, we had an update for Emacs. Uh, one of my favorite packages. Uh, so this was an update for Emacs in 1604 Extended Security Maintenance. In this case, it was uh, the ability, well, it was a remote code execution vulnerability where if a user was tricked into uh, running this HTML fontify package against a, a crafted directory, that could then result in uh, arbitrary code execution. Essentially, in this case, uh, this package within Emacs uh, is used to kind of um, mark up a directory of source code into HTML files. So you could use that, like if say you wanted to, I don't know, create like web pages uh, with you know nicely uh, syntax highlighted code in it. In this case though, uh, it runs uh, the command file against a given file to determine if it's text or not, uh, but it doesn't escape uh, the file name. And so you could use a crafted file name there to get essentially shellcode injection as a result. Um, it's unlikely, obviously, to be a, you know an, an, an issue in practice because it's unlikely that you're really running this against some untrusted directory of files, but you know, it's possible. I actually went looking on GitHub to see if this is used by other packages and the like, and it's not either. So yeah, unlikely that anyone will be affected by that, but that has now been fixed for Emacs in that uh, older Ubuntu release. Uh, what else? We had an update for PHP Mailer for uh, Ubuntu 6.04, uh, ESM Plus, 18.04, and 20.04, and 20.04 long-term support. Uh, this is the email sending library for PHP. And actually, similarly in this, I, I picked out one of the CVs here. There were seven that were addressed, but the one that I liked was another um, possibility to inject uh, shell commands. In this case, and therefore, well, inject shell commands and therefore get remote code execution. In this case, it would happen when uh, it would then call on the underlying mail command to go and send uh, the email. And uh, in this case, actually, the original upstream patch still wasn't sufficient and then they got a second CVE issued uh, for essentially the same issue as the first one so it shows I guess that uh, you know being able to uh, escape you know possible shell commands and stuff is hard you know being able to validate input like that is hard uh, you know so yeah one one issue affected Emacs one affected uh, PHP Mailer but they've both been fixed uh, as well as a bunch of other CVEs against PHP Mailer uh, uh, LibraCAD was updated again for some of our older releases. So 16.04 ESM, 18.04 and 20.04 long-term support. Uh, this is a library for handling uh, computer-aided design files. In this case, being written in memory unsafe language, there were various memory corruption vulnerabilities that could be triggered when parsing uh, crafted DXF, DWG, DRW or JWW files. In this case, uh, all of them resulting in things like either out-of-bounds writes or use after freeze or null pointer dereferences and the like. So you know, the impact from these would range from denial of service for those null pointer dereferences through to possible uh, code execution through the out-of-bounds writes and the like. I had a couple CVEs fixed in ImageMagic for uh, Ubuntu 20.04, 20.04 long-term support and 22.10. Uh, FFmpeg was updated uh, all the way back through to 16.04 ESM and all the releases since uh, for a couple different null pointer dereferences and two out-of-bounds reads uh, leading to the denial of service in all of those cases. We had Firefox updated to the latest upstream released, uh, 111.0, and this is for Ubuntu releases 18.04 LTS and 20.04 LTS. 
Uh, nine different CVs were fixed here in the upstream Firefox release. Uh, the usual mix of issues that we see for web browsers and web engines here. So uh, fixed for, for things like uh, possible denial of service or information leak across domains or even a remote code execution if you were tricked into visiting a malicious website. As well, uh, there's a few different logic issues that were fixed there. One for a memory corruption issue, another one that could be used to cause Firefox to leak local um, path information back to a web server under certain circumstances, and as well the ability to spoof parts of the UI, uh, UI of Firefox and trick the user into taking certain actions. They were all fixed as well. Uh, we had a fix for uh, one of our kernel versions. Uh, this is for the Intel IOTG platform on 2204 long-term support. 18 different CVs were rolled into this by the kernel team, but the two most interesting ones are high priority vulnerabilities. One within the NetFilter uh, subsystem where it would mishandle uh, VLAN headers. In this case, being in NetFilter, it could be remotely triggered as a result. So you could get uh, remote uh, out of bounds right within the kernel and therefore the ability to crash the kernel remotely or possibly get code execution. Uh, similarly, there was a use after free that was found in the upper level protocol subsystem. This one being able to be triggered by at a local user on the machine, so they could probably then crash the machine or also get code execution within the kernel and therefore you know elevate their privileges or that kind of thing. Uh, Kerberos was updated for uh, 1804 and 24 long term support. In this case, two different null pointer dereference issues. Again, being null pointer dereferences, they can be used then uh, to cause Kerberos to crash. So a denial of service there, but you're being a demon that's going to likely be restarted by systemd or whatnot anyway. Ooh, so an update for Python. Uh, this was one CVE that was fixed for Python all the way back to 1404 extended security maintenance and therefore all the releases since. So 1604 ESM, uh, what else? 1804, 2004, 2204 long-term support respectively and 2210, uh, the kinetic kudu. In this case, it was an issue in the URL lib parse um, function. So the parse uh, function within the URL lib module. This is used uh, quite often by various different applications and libraries to parse URLs. And uh, you can imagine that someone might implement some kind of block listing functionality there where they might go, well, I want to block uh, anyone using any protocol that's not, I don't know, HTTPS in their URL. So you would then use that to parse it, get out the, the scheme that was used uh, for that. So, you know, is it HTTPS or not? And if not, then you would deny that. And it was found that if you just prefixed the URL with a space, it would fail to be able to extract that uh, scheme or even actually the URL as well, probably. And so as a result, uh, if you were to inject a space there, you could therefore bypass, say, some kind of block listing functionality that was implemented in that way. Uh, you can easily fix this by causing, calling strip on the URL first to strip any white space. But yeah, the upstream developers have put in a fix for that. Uh, apparently, though, they're still discussing whether that is sufficient or not. So, hey, we may have another update for Python coming uh, as a result. But, yeah, we will watch that space for you. But that one has been fixed. Uh, what else? So, Vim is still continuing to be fuzzed uh, as part of their bug bounty and lots of different vulnerabilities found there. So, nine different CVEs were fixed. Again, uh, going all the way back to 14.04 ESM and uh, the releases since. All of these various memory corruption vulnerabilities, as I say, found through fuzzing and most of them paid out through the bug bounty. So, you know, if you want to get yourself some bug bounty cash, go look at hunter.dev and, you know, sign yourself up and start fuzzing Vim as well. Why not? Uh, curl was updated for five different CVEs for our stable releases. So that's 1804, 2004, 2204 long-term support and 2210. 
uh, a bunch of these with various connection reuse issues. So uh, curl will reuse a given connection to a given server you know, for different um, you know, uses, particularly for libcurl, the underlying library. So uh, you can imagine if, say, the caller to that library would then go and change various um, parameters of the connections, so SSH connection and enable some SSH option, curl would then go on to still reuse that connection, even though you know it perhaps shouldn't because you've now gone and changed a particular option. That would therefore mean it should disconnect and reconnect. Uh, similarly for FT, uh, FTP as well. Uh, and one that I thought was interesting was mishandling of a tilde character for SFTP connections. So it would replace the tilde with the home directory of the user, but it would also do that if that tilde was contained somewhere else within uh, the you know, file path. And so you could therefore get it to say access some file that wasn't intended originally by say prefixing a, or putting a tilde somewhere else in the path. We had an update for uh, Ruby uh, in that case it relates to uh, for a, a CV that was fixed in some older releases and has now gone into 2004 LTS. Tiger VNC was updated similarly for 2004 LTS uh, for a single vulnerability there. In this case, uh, when processing a TLS certificate, it would then store that certificate for later use, but it would store it as a certificate authority internally. That would then mean if you went and connected to a different server as a client, it would then use that uh, certificate that it had received from the previous server as a certificate authority certificate and would therefore you know, could use that to validate some other certificate that was then issued by that same, uh, you know, that same certificate authority, but it wasn't really a certificate authority. It's, it's like kind of having a you know, self-signed certificate in that case and there could allow uh, a malicious server to impersonate others as well. And finally, we had an update for SOX. Uh, this was a regression update because a previous update uh, failed to fix uh, one of the vulnerabilities completely. So that's now been fixed properly. Whew, and that is it for the week in security updates. Okay, so the other stuff that I wanted to mention this week, we did have a new point release go out for the Ubuntu 20.04 LTS release. That's now at 20.04.6. Uh, this was announced just recently. And if you go and look up uh, the original release schedule for uh, 24 LTS or the Focal Fossa, you see that uh, actually there was only originally five point releases planned for that. And now we've gone and released a sixth one. So you, you know, might ask why and quite rightly so. Uh, so the original announcement for this release uh, states that unlike previous point releases, it's a refresh of the AMD64 installer media after recent key revocations and therefore re-enabling their usage on Secure Boot enabled systems. So as a result, you know, this like all our other point releases, doesn't just bundle in that fix; it also bundles in all the security fixes and uh, you know bug fixes that have gone in since then. Um, what you know, actually looking at this, what it what it really is is it's around the handling of Secure Boot in Shim. So back with the original boot hole uh, vulnerabilities that you know we talked about a few years ago now, uh, this uh, SBAT protocol was introduced into Shim to allow it to uh, like do kind of like deny listing on uh, certain uh, you know in things that it may trust or not. So it introduced a protocol where there's these minimum versions set for given components and things like say a grub binary then has an SBAT section in that that says I'm grub say version two and Shim will know to trust grub versions you know two and later. Uh, what that then might mean is say we do an update for Shim that then says hey, I only want to trust grub versions three and later that older version of grub is now no longer trusted and wouldn't be booted. Uh, so yeah, this updates that to roll in these newer versions so that they can still be booted on say older media or older machines that have been updated uh, in the meantime to a new newer shim version. 
And actually, you know, this, this is stored within an EFI variable, so you can go and inspect this yourself. That's an SBAT level uh, variable under, say, you know, Sys firmware EFI, EFI VARs, you can go and, you know, have a look at, and that will say the various versions there that are trusted or not. And you can even use things like ObjDump to dump out the SBAT section of a given signed binary, so then you can check, will that actually be trusted or not ahead of time? Yeah, so that uh, has that release done. As well, the other thing I wanted to mention uh, this week is that, yeah, I, you know, the reason the podcast has been on break for a couple of weeks is that I was in Melbourne uh, presenting at Everything Open. So I took a week off to prepare for that and then obviously to present there and all the, the work around that. So yeah, Everything Open is the sort of spiritual successor to the old Linux Conf AU that used to be run every year. Uh, it's now, I guess, a bit more of an embracing conference. It's not just, say, solely about Linux, but it's more about you know, general open source and open governance and open data and all these kind of things. So, you know, there's some really cool presentations there. Uh, in particular, one that I saw was about the uh, COVID safe application that we had here in Australia for trying to do contact tracing and the various failures around that. And in particular, I guess, how uh, talking about how, say, when governments try to get involved in things like open source development, the kind of failures that can result there due to, I guess, the impedance mismatch that comes from open source communities uh, and you know big you know, monolithic organizations like governments and the like. So yeah, that's a really interesting one. But yeah, I presented about how we do security in Ubuntu plus how you can try to improve the security of your own open source projects. And so unfortunately, uh, my presentation wasn't recorded, but I have gone and recorded that myself. So what I'm gonna do is try to include some of that in an upcoming episode. Uh, so yeah, look out for that probably next week. Uh, it was reasonably long so I'll probably split it up over two and we'll probably do something like the Ubuntu parts of that first and then in another episode do the general open source security parts in a second one but yeah uh, there's a link to I guess the brief of that in uh, the show notes so go check that out and yeah look out for that in an upcoming episode all right so that takes us to the end of this week's episode a bit of a shorter one but yeah we will be back you know, in more full swing again next week uh, yeah, until then, if you want to get in contact with us about anything, you can always email the team at security@ubuntu.com, or you can come find us hanging out in the Ubuntu Security Channel on libera.chat, the IRC network, or hit us up on Mastodon. We are at Ubuntu Security at fosterdon.org there as well. Okay, so I'll be back again with you all next week, but until then, remember, keep calm because we've got you back, and I'll speak to you soon. All right, bye.